516. Warning. Access restricted. Please submit to DNA. Verification. Processing. Verification complete. Access granted. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Monitor Room at the Christian Geek Central Podcast, a biblical examination and celebration of geekery and geek entertainment, as well as the official podcast of ChristianGeekCentral.com. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions, producing entertainment and resources to hopefully equip, encourage, and inspire Christian geeks like you and me to live in the freedom and purpose that Christ has given us. For more information about Spirit Blade Productions, you can check out SpiritBlade.com or support us at oh gosh I didn't add this to the script I should have done this and let's see for more information now that's not really a good part to put that for more information about Spirit no maybe arguably let's see I'll add it in the script for this week for more information about Spirit Blade Productions you can check out spiritblade.com or uh, by um, checking us out we'll say at patreon.com slash spirit blade productions alright we'll see how long that <laughs> stays uh, on the show today a review of the death of Superman DC animated movie and as you may have guessed the launch of our Patreon which you can uh, which can earn you some fun rewards that I'm going to share uh, more details about in this episode of the podcast alright let's get to it my father once told me that I could use my powers to make a difference he told me I had a responsibility to help others he told me I could save this world. Save everyone. Then he told me, walk the gerbil, walk the gerbil. Frickin' weirdo. The death of Superman, DC Universe animated movie. Um, the synopsis on IMDb reads, Superman battles against an insurmountable foe named Doomsday. And that's it. <laughs> that's all the synopsis says. And there's actually a ton that they're cramming into this. Um, now, the name of the movie is The Death of Superman. Spoilers, he dies. Uh, and chances are very good that you are familiar in some way with this story. With the, the idea that there's a, 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 an iconic story in the history of Superman involving him fighting a monster named Doomsday. And ultimately Superman dies at the end of that. We've seen that story retold um, a couple of times at least. Um, I think the, the animated series of Justice League had him fight Doomsday at some point. I don't think it ended in his death in that, if I remember correctly. Um, and then there, there was Superman Doomsday, which I think released in what, way back in 2008, 2009, something like that, which was a really weird reimagining of this story. I didn't care for it, but I do recommend buying that DVD, if you can find it cheap, for the awesome documentary on there about the creators who wrote the original story for the comics and what that was like to publish that story and just the emotions they were feeling and the response from people at the time it was published. Really cool little documentary on that DVD set. Um, but yeah, I really did not like that, the reimagining of the story at all. 
And uh, and then, of course, in Batman versus Superman, we had a treatment uh, of, of this battle and the, the fallout from it. But uh, this one really tries to take uh, a much closer uh, tack. <laughs> Crap, I was started that sentence. I was going to end it a different way, and uh, I should have just aborted and started over. Uh, it really tries to adhere more to the source material than either Batman versus Superman or Superman Doomsday. And it's it's quite a challenge, you know, because if you think about that original story, uh, there's stuff in that story that was just kind of laden with continuity that you would have to know about uh, the comics. Like, I think in the, like in the opening, you can see this if you just play the, the beat-em-up side-scroller, The Death and Return of Superman, or The Death of... I can't remember what it's called, the Super NES game, where the first level you're fighting these... Uh, underworld or undercity dwellers and stuff like that. And there was a whole storyline involving them. They'd been established in the comic books. But if you're reading that story for the first time, you're like, who the crap are these, like, undercity dwellers and crap? Well, they they made modifications to that. Instead, he's fighting intergang at the beginning of this story. And there's a number of other places where they had to establish continuity and, and these kind of background elements, especially because they're crucial for setting up uh, where the, the follow-up movie to this is going to go. And so they, it was kind of like when I read the Roger Stern novelization of The Death and Return of Superman. He really made some modifications there so that it could be self-contained. And you wouldn't have to know about all this background and history and stuff that they drew from in order to tell the story specifically of the return of Superman. It wasn't so much a factor in the death of Superman, uh, but you, you really had to understand and be aware of some of these continuity elements and old characters from Superman uh, that they were bringing back and were playing pivotal roles in the return of Superman. So this movie, um, the first half of it was really a lot of it kind of setting up the next movie and just kind of putting in place characters like Hank Henshaw, if you know where that's going, you know, um, and the, the cloning stuff that they're going to, I don't want to say anything. If you're not really familiar with the story, I don't really want to spoil where the second story goes or really, you know, many details about this story as well. If you've never seen any kind of, uh, if you've not read the comic book version of this. Um, okay. So let me talk about just a little bit more the the story, the script, the pacing and the overall tone of this experience for me. It was, it was weird. I, I, it was not what I expected. I, at first it opened up and they had some scenes with Superman where he was kind of delivering these cheesy jokes. It reminded me a little bit of how he was coming across to me in the recent Justice League movie. I was like, wow, suddenly Superman is doing these cheesy 1950s Superman one-liners. You know, I was like, what is this? He's like a, oh, man. Um, and, and felt kind of wooden to me at first. But I warmed up to him after Clark was introduced. Now, I've kind of fallen off the uh, the, the bandwagon of the DC animated movies. So I think the last one that I bought was like maybe Justice League Throne of Atlantis. Um, and I, so I haven't, there's been a few Justice League movies since then that I haven't followed. So I don't know if we've seen Clark Kent in the animated movies up to this point. But this was my first time of really seeing Clark Kent, um, or at least this version of it. I don't remember another version of Clark Kent in these new 52. DC animated movies, starting with the animated movie Flash, Flashpoint Paradox. From that animated movie going forward, they've been alternating between producing these one-shot DC stories, you know, animated DC stories, and then these this continuing 
uh, universe that has, you know, continuing continuity that's based on the New 52 uh, version of the DC Universe that, you know, was launched a number of years ago that I have not been a big fan of, um, although I've heard that they're kind of recovering things and getting a little bit better. We'll see. That's another story. Anyway, um... I warmed up to this Clark Kent, uh, to Superman after Clark Kent was introduced. Um, and a number of jokes, you know, they're definitely, you know, I think trying to lean on the jokes a little bit more. They're definitely seeing, much like they did in Justice League, they're seeing the Flash, I guess, as like, okay, he's our go-to guy for funny stuff. <laughs> You know, so they were leaning on him a lot. I mean, other characters had little lines here and there, but it was clear to me that like, okay, Flash is the one we're going to lean on uh, when we want some comedy in a scene. And honestly, he got a few chuckles from me, which is really odd because I just don't normally laugh at you know the things that seem to make other people laugh in movies. And uh, I, I will say that the Flash overstated his punchlines a few times for me. And in general, there were a few things that I felt were overstated. I was like. Did you think I wasn't going to understand that line if you didn't add that extra half of a sentence to explain that thing to me? You know, so um, I I don't know if it felt like uh, it, it didn't feel like a script that was really depending on the intelligence of the audience. Um, in fact, it did some things logically that were you know almost seemed to be counting on <laughs> a lack of attention to you know logic and details and stuff like that. I was put off at first by numerous little problems I had with dialogue and story logic, but at some point, I want to say maybe as early as the first twenty minutes, this switch in my mind kind of got flipped, where I was not seeing this as like a glass half empty experience. It became a glass half full experience because I stopped comparing it to you know, what I would really want from, like, a live-action script, uh, you know, movie script. And instead, I, I, I compared it to the Bruce Tim era uh, animated series, you know, which was geared toward a younger audience, which had dialogue that was fairly simplistic, you know, um, which wasn't really going for subtlety in, in much of anything, at least not very often. Um, and I know it's kind of relative, you know, we could quibble about that anyway. Um, but compared, so compared to live-action movies, this script would bother me a lot. But compared to a typical script from the Justice League animated show, I think it moved things forward in terms of having more heart, more emotional weight, certainly more like suspense and intensity, you know. Um, the first half of the movie, I thought, did an impressive job of reworking and cramming in a bunch of continuity elements that the original comic story called back to and depended on for the Reign of Superman story. I already mentioned that. And make no mistake, I really think this movie should be viewed as chapter one of a two-part movie experience that will continue when Reign of the Superman is released some months from now. Uh, and there's a preview of of that included on the, uh, the the DVD for for this movie. Not only did they fit in all this background setup uh, info that's crucial to that follow up story in the first half of this movie, but they developed the relationship of Lois and Clark in a way that I haven't seen yet in these you know recent animated New Fifty Two based uh, movies. And they really had a lot of ground to cover. Uh, Lois and Clark are still dating, um, and kind of early in their dating. It's not super serious, but it's, you know, maybe going there. Uh, that's kind of the status quo at the beginning of this movie. Um, she still doesn't know his secret identity. And the major B-plot, arguably, I would say the A-plot, actually, um, is about Clark wrestling with telling Lois his secret, even though it will mean bringing her into his dangerous world. Um... Even with my adjusted lens, though, of kind of comparing it not to live-action films, but to the Bruce Tim animated series, in which case this kind of feels like a grown, a more grown-up evolution of, of, of that, um, even with that adjustment 
in my expectations, I still had problems with Lois not seeing through Clark's secret identity. Once again, especially the way it was handled in this movie, um, man, once again, if DC would be a bit more bold in their interpretation of Clark Kent, he would be a much more interesting character that's all the more easily sympathized with, and his secret uh, would be significantly more believable. But, I mean, I, I just guess as I look at this, I figure they, they, you know, that people, they're thinking, well, people have put up with the lack of real, realism in this, his disguise uh, for this long. It's just a trope people have come to accept. Uh, so why bother putting any effort into making it more believable? Um, but I will give props to Jerry O'Connell, who at least makes minor changes to his voice as Clark Kent. I appreciated that. And the animators, um, or maybe it's less the animators than the actual original uh, artistic designers of how things would look in this uh, movie. Um, when Clark is is wearing loose clothing, um, they, they kind of de-emphasize his muscles well in a few scenes. But, geez, Clark and Lois... Are, are planning weekend getaways, which means they've probably been sleeping together, I think. Um, so she's, and she, you know, probably seen him naked. And even if not, she's next to him while he wears a skin tight t shirt with bulging muscles uh, in one scene. Um, so I'm just like, Lois, how are you not aware of this? Um, so missed opportunities, once again, with the Clark Kent concept, but I understand why DC maybe wouldn't want to take big risks uh, and make bolder choices in reinterpreting that. For my thoughts on how to make the Clark Kent identity work really well today, uh, you can check out my video called How to Fix Superman and Why He Needs a Secret Identity. That's at youtube.com slash christiangeekcentral. Again, that's How to Fix Superman and why he needs a secret identity. All right, so the second half of this movie is all about the threat of Doomsday and trying to stop him. Um, maybe I won't feel this way on a second viewing. I really don't trust how I'm reacting to this because I'm surprised so much at how I'm reacting to this. I'm like, is this just because I'm feeling nostalgic? I do think it, it, it leans into nostalgia a bit. It draws from a moment in the original Superman live-action movie from 78. Um, it, I think, draws from people already being invested in the characters in the DC universe and stuff and, and having some history with it, you know, so it does play to nostalgia um, for these characters a, a bit. So I'm wondering how much of that is at play. Anyway, I don't trust my feelings about this at all. And you probably shouldn't either. I'm just giving you my reactions. Um, so maybe I won't feel this way on a second viewing, but right now I'm going to say this is my definitive representation of a fight between Superman and Doomsday. More than any retelling of this fight, and even more than the original comic um, in which this story was told. Because Doomsday wasn't just powerful and unstoppable. He was deadly. He kills so many people. It's brutal and shocking right off the bat, and then continuing on through this movie, I'm just like, I don't know how many times I was like, oh, jeez, you know, and the the ways he would suddenly, shockingly, brutal, brutally uh, kill so many people that he ran into. Um, and he so brutally would take out heroes, kicking them while they're down. I was cringing, watching Doomsday in every scene he was in. Um, I, you know, I knew how it had to end, big, big picture, but with every new Justice Leaguer that came out, 
um, I said, come on, you can do this, you know. And part of that maybe was because in the original uh, telling of the story in the comic books, you didn't have the A-list Justice League at that time. It was a bunch of B-list characters that made up the Justice League when this originally, when this story was originally published. You didn't have, you had Guy Gardner, I guess, but <laughs> he, I think he just had his yellow ring. And come on, it, it was Guy Gardner at that time. He's much more formidable now than he was then. Um and so, but now you've got like a proper Green Lantern. You've got Martian. I guess there was Martian Manhunter involved. Uh, you've got Hawkman, who has been made much more powerful and brutal in recent years. You've got Wonder Woman. Um, you know, you've got the Flash. Um, and these characters just weren't really going up against Doomsday, to my knowledge. You just didn't have the same powerhouse roster of Justice Leaguers going up against Doomsday. So it was a real treat to see them and to see them, you know. I, I, I felt like handled well. It wasn't like they were all pushovers. The, these were powerful, powerful characters. And I, be, I still believed it when Doomsday got the better of them. And I was just like, oh my gosh. They, it just more and more played up the unstoppable threat. I remember feeling the same way during, during uh, Batman versus or yeah, the Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice just feeling like, "Oh my gosh, Doomsday, they can't stop him." I felt that even more watching this. I was just like shaking my head. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this thing is so dangerous. Someone has got to stop this thing, you know." Um so really um even though the, the Justice Leaguers, I knew they weren't going to be able to stop him, I was rooting for them and like, come on, because uh, I wanted them to, because Doomsday was so much, uh, so, uh, so much greater threat and brutal uh, threat than he's ever been before to me. Um, so he really lived up to his name, Doomsday, uh, more than ever before for me. He was a genuinely disturbing menace that put everyone in danger of death. Um, and until the very end, it felt like Superman didn't remotely stand a chance of stopping him. Wow. Um, anyway, really appreciated how that was handled. As far as the cast goes, um, the cast of heroes and supporting characters, I think, are all returning actors who have signed on for kind of the run, however long it lasts, of these new 52-based DC animated movies, um, which this is also a part of, even though the original story it's based on took place way, way, way before the new 52. Um, and speaking of which, between the writing and Jerry O'Connell's Clark Kent in this movie, this Superman felt nothing to me like the creepy jock Superman, as I would describe him, uh, as he felt to me in Justice League War. Um, and all the other cast performances worked for me, too, in this movie, including, surprisingly, Rain Wilson, who played Dwight uh, on The Office, now in the role of Lex Luthor. Uh, it added an interesting touch of kind of like brainy nerd to Luther, which I wasn't looking for, but found myself accepting and warming up to because he still felt strong and powerful to me. I mean, he wasn't doing like a, the full-out Dwight character by any means. Um, he was doing kind of like the, the powerful, assertive, you know, strong version, uh, you know, the, the, I, of maybe Dwight. I, I don't know. <laughs> or just Rain Wilson doing his strong voice, but because it's Rain Wilson, still sounds a little brainy and nerdy, you know? So it was just interesting. I, I, I was surprised that I warmed up to him pretty quickly. Um... Anyway, uh, as far as the visuals go, I'm, I don't have much to say. The animation looks great to me, especially the action of the second half. I wouldn't rave about it as groundbreaking, but it did the job very well for me. Now, as far as, you know, is there anything in this story uh, that, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, moral, philosophical, or spiritual stuff uh, that might stimulate worthwhile 
thought or, or conversation. I think if you're looking for it, there are a few things in this movie uh, that, that you could end up pondering um, after watching it. The Clark and Lois relationship made me think a little bit about how we as geeks often don't open up to others. Or, you know, we don't let them into the deeper parts of our lives and really expose ourselves, you know, to other people emotionally. Um, unlike Clark, we do that to protect ourselves, not to protect those that we love. But there are, are still some valuable parallels to think about there, I think. But um, more than anything in this movie, the savior parallels between Superman and Jesus felt really strong to me. Or, or at the very least, the use of Superman to create a sort of savior fantasy. I think we all want to be rescued from some things in life. Um, that's why I think even the creators of this story, if they didn't have Jesus in mind, um, were in part creating a savior fantasy in Superman. Um, now, maybe we're jaded enough that we don't consciously hope for a human or a divine savior to rescue us from the situations we're dealing with in life. But I think that desire is still in all of us in some form to be rescued. We see these wrong things happening to us, these wrong things we're experiencing, and we want them to be made right. We want to be rescued from these things. Um, in this movie, Superman is the one everyone looks to for rescue and for hope. They trust him and they love him, um, as was touchingly demonstrated by a, a young boy who takes time to give Superman a hug after being rescued by him. It was a surprisingly touching moment for me. Um, and Superman himself is a compassionate, self-sacrificing rescuer. Um, there was more time taken than I, I thought than even in the original story to show Superman's motives for fighting Doomsday as being out of a desire to protect others. You know, I think at some point in the Superman Doomsday fight in the original comic, it just gives way to, like, this massive slugfest, you know, that goes on for several issues. Um, but I, I felt like they repeatedly brought to the forefront the reason that Superman was engaging in this super intense slugfest was to protect the the innocent people around him and the, all these people that he cares about, both people that he knows and just the strangers that he has compassion for. And even one character that he has every right to have no compassion for, but he still um, puts himself in harm's way for. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, anyway, he's this self-sacrificing rescuer, constantly concerned for the, for the safety of others um, in ways that damage the way people think of him as Clark Kent. And, of course, uh, in the second half of this movie, in ways that bring physical harm to him as Superman. Uh, and Jesus was the same and far more, if you really think about it. When we consider that Jesus is God himself and was God himself during his earthly ministry, the, the creator and giver of, uh, of everything good in all of existence, he was owed, when he showed up, our worship, our thanks, our love um, when he came to earth. Um, but but he didn't get that from us. He got the opposite. And, and as Paul challenges us in Philippians 2, 3 through 8 to uh, follow his example and, and also kind of reveals the nature of what was going on when Jesus was uh, in doing his ministry on earth. Paul says, Philippians 2, 3 through 8, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, or in other words, a thing to be held onto, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by coming by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Um, and it was on that cross that, that Jesus died so that all who depend on him could be rescued from death. And we see that same act mirrored in how Superman gives his own life to rescue those who are depending on him. Um, another parallel, of course, is resurrection, which this movie teases, but will be uh, fully explored, I assume, in uh, Reign of the Superman, Superman, excuse me, which I hope comes sooner rather than later. Um, anyway, I have no idea what your tastes are in movies or animation or anything else, but if I were a time traveler, I'd go back in time and say, Pater, hmm, don't rent it for sure. Uh, probably buy it right now, but look online, see what the special features are, because as they did with the two-part Dark Knight Returns animated movies, this could easily later get repackaged as a two-in-one set with additional features to milk us later on. So you might just want to hold off and wait for that. But maybe that won't happen. I don't know. So either way, I mean, you're really going to like this, Pater. So uh, you might just want to go ahead and buy it now. Uh, either way, you're going to want to have it in your collection to watch again. And then uh, at some point to show to your boys. It's rated PG-13 for sequences of violence and action, including some bloody images. And that is for sure. I want to remind you guys to go check out the other members of the Christian Geek Central Network, such as the Strangers and Aliens podcast, the Theology Gaming podcast. Now back from the dead, by the way, they've recently revived uh, their podcast and they're getting back fully into the swing of things after taking a while off to do some adulting in their lives. Uh, these guys are totally back in the swing of things, getting feedback from their community. Uh, really exciting stuff. This is a, a show that because, you know, I'm particularly a video game nerd uh i've enjoyed uh, tuning into a number of times so anyway that's the theology gaming podcast as well as the untold podcast pos tos helix reviews and the retro rewind podcast for more information about the cgc network visit christiangeekcentral.com data collection complete activating using Well, our summer sale is still running where you can get any or all parts of our Spirit Blade audio drama trilogy for 20% off. But actually, there's a way to get them for far less even than that. Um, I'm going to share details about that when I talk about our Patreon campaign. Um, do you call it a campaign? I've, I've tr tried to figure out if you just, is it just our Patreon? Is that what people say? Our Patreon? Our Patreon? I want to say campaign, but I think a campaign, I feel like that's something that has a beginning, middle, and end. Um, and this just goes on into perpetuity. Is that the right word? <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you do want to check out that sale, you can go over to spiritblade.com. But before you do that, stay tuned. I'm going to share with you guys now uh, the details about the launch of the Patreon for Spiritblade Productions, which is also for Christian Geek Central, uh, which are two sides of basically the same coin. Um, first, I'm just going to play the audio from the roughly two-minute 
video where I kind of make my pitch. I put that up on YouTube on both of the, the Spirit Play videos uh, YouTube channel and the Christian Geek Central YouTube channel. Um, and, uh, and, and it's also on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Productions. So I'm going to just play the audio for that right now. You're missing a bunch because I really tried to cram a lot of information visually into <laughs> this thing as well but i want to at least play this for you uh as kind of like a foundation and then um i'll play the audio from a second video that i'm working on that's going to actually go up on monday but i've already recorded it so uh that explains in more detail the uh the rewards uh, that come with each tier that uh, i've created right now for uh, supporting us at patreon.com slash spirit blade production so here we go Hey, I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and Christian Geek Central. Thank you for checking out my Patreon video. Since 2006, I've been operating as Spirit Blade Productions to create entertainment and resources that equip, encourage, and inspire Christian geeks to live in the freedom and purpose that Christ offers. Starting with our genre-bending audio drama Spirit Blade, we soon expanded to include a ton more under the banner of Christian Geek Central. As Spirit Blade Productions, I still produce audio stories, but every week as Christian Geek Central. I also put out free content for Christian geeks who love their hobbies and want to live life intentionally. I talk about movies, video games, tabletop games, and comic books from both a passionate fan perspective and a discerning biblical worldview. I also like to highlight the endeavors of other creative Christian geeks and host live streams to bring our community together. Through our weekly in-depth Bible study, I make unique life application to geeks because we're a pretty unique kind of people. And finally, the Christian Geek Central podcast podcast brings all that content together in what is, to my knowledge, the longest running show of its kind. Now I want to invite you to become a Spirit Blade Productions patron to help keep this all going and growing while getting some fun rewards for yourself. Patreon is a platform that allows people to support their favorite creators through a monthly donation. And each of the multiple donation tier options has its own set of rewards, like my exclusive Pater's Brain podcast, revealing my dramatic ups and downs in the work I'm doing. You can also get access to private live streams, audio entertainment, and more. And at any subscription level, you are a Spirit Blade insider with an influential voice as I make decisions because you help make it all possible and ensure that my web hosting and other expenses are covered. I'm able to continue producing free content for Christian Geek Central. I'm able to move forward creating imaginative audio storytelling from Spirit Blade Productions. And I can experiment and expand to create additional content in the future. To those already supporting my work, thank you so much for making it a tangible reality. It's such an honor and blessing to me and my wife, Holly. If you're still considering supporting this work, please don't hesitate to ask if you have any questions. I want to be an open book as much as I can. Thank you again for your consideration. Hey guys, Peter Franson here from ChristianGeekCentral.com and Spirit Blade Productions. Uh, I know I put a video out already kind of giving the basic uh, description of what I'm doing on Patreon and stuff like that, but I wanted to make another recording that would talk a little bit more in detail about the uh, the reward tiers and kind of what's involved with those and explain uh, those a little bit more. If you go over to our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash Spirit Blade Productions and you just scroll down a little bit on the right you'll see um, the the first tier is the $1 tier, which, which is called Pater's Brain Podcast. And that gives you access uh, for $1 a month to a monthly behind-the-scenes podcast I've actually been recording for, uh, for years now. 
And uh, it gives you access to all the new episodes for as long as you are subscribing at the $1 tier. And it chronicles my ups and downs running Spirit Blade Productions. Throughout each month, I uh, keep my phone with me and I just, uh, when I feel it's appropriate, when something's going on that I feel like is worth talking about, that is exciting or a bummer or frustrating or, or you know, interesting to me or whatever, uh, then I will quickly make a recording and at the end of the month, I stitch all those recordings together into a complete podcast that's made up of these sort of journal entries I'm making throughout the month. And uh, it's it's a place where I'm a little less filtered than I'm going to be on, say, the podcast and just kind of talking about what it's like to try and spin all these different plates that I've been spinning, all these different hats I have to wear, some of which I really enjoy, a number of which I really don't like because I'm not good at them at all. Um, and so it just basically gets you inside my brain a little bit, which is why it's called the Pater's Brain Podcast. Um, and it also gives you the opportunity as someone who supports me to know maybe more specifically how you can be praying for me, how you can be pl- praying for Spirit Blade Productions and Christian Geek Central and, and the things that I see potentially uh, in the future there. So that is like uh, the foundational point of connection that I wanted to provide for all patrons um, at, uh, at, at any uh, subscription level. Um, it's just a, a nice point of connection between you and I, so you can better understand what's going on, you know? Um, the second thing on the $1 tier is you get an influential voice as I make decisions for Spirit Blade Productions and Christian Geek Central. It's not a vote, uh, but it's, you better believe it's an influential voice. When I am, you know, at a crossroads with things in the future uh, and wondering, well, I could go this way or I could go this way. The first people I'm going to seek input from are uh, my patrons at uh, patreon.com slash spiritbladeproductions. And and sometimes that'll uh, also just be in a a more casual, unsolicited sense where like if, you know, there's a whole community section on our Patreon page where you can strike up conversation, you can respond to posts that I've made, and those are going to be the first places that I go to connect with the Christian Geek Central and Spirit Blade Productions community. Um, I'm going to be checking, you know, of course, at at the forums and Facebook and wherever else we are, uh, but that's going to be my first stop and my first priority. When time gets crunched, I'm going to hit that, you know, uh, community uh, section uh, first. So, um, and, you know, anytime you want to give feedback or input or whatever... I'm just going to be giving a little bit more weight to the people that are subscribed at a, at a dollar or higher. It's not that I don't care, you know, about what other people are saying. I do absolutely, but at the end of the day, it's it's going to be the people that are financially supporting me that are making this possible to continue moving forward. And so those are going to be the first voices that I'm going to want to uh, to listen to uh, when it comes to feedback. And there will also be times for like fun things when I'm deciding. Like one of the, one of the things I've decided to do with the uh, live streams that I do probably about maybe four times a year or so is have a patron's choice game that I will give patrons the opportunity to uh, to vote on to in some way I'll give them some choices to choose from and that will determine one of the games that I play so in a bunch of little ways that are hard to kind of quantify that's what I mean by uh, having an influential voice with me any patron one dollar or higher is what I call a spirit blade insider you are part of this inside group that knows me more than a lot of other people that are just taking in the the rest of my content and you're also people that I'm listening to and your voices are are louder and stronger and clearer to me and have uh, greater weight to me uh, than just the typical person who uh, is enjoying my content. Now as we move up in the tiers, each higher tier 
also includes the rewards of every tier below it. It just adds some new ones. At the $5 tier, uh, we add on the video version of the Pater's Brain podcast because I'm recording those uh, journal entries with the uh, the video on my phone. And so I think that gives those who uh, watch that version of it uh, an even clearer sense of kind of my emotional state, my thought process, uh, because you're seeing my face and you're seeing, uh, you're getting a little bit more of a window into my heart and what I'm thinking and feeling uh, because you're right there with me. And I didn't mention this before, but the Pater's Brain podcast, both the audio and video version, will also occasionally contain work-in-progress samples as I'm working on, say, like uh, uh, audio stories, like the upcoming Storyteller series that I hope to be getting back to soon. Um, And when you are watching the video version of that, you'll actually see a video recording of my mixing software as it's playing back whatever it is that, uh, that I'm working on. The other reward that's added on at the $5 level is access to a monthly two-hour private gaming slash random chat live stream. This is basically just uh, a a time I'm going to take out every month for two hours and invite those Spirit Blade Insiders at the $5 tier or higher uh, to just come and uh, and hang out with me, uh, to jump on and, and type uh, chat messages to me, ask me questions, and, and we can just kind of like hang out you can talk about your week. I'd love to hear about what's been going on in the last month with you. I'll probably, you know, shoot the breeze about what's been going on in my life in the last month. It's just a, a, a one step deeper level where I'm just going to be a little bit more uh, unfiltered, a little bit more unguarded, a little bit more just open about what's going on with me and my life and what I'm thinking about these days, as well as just kind of hanging out, having fun and playing whatever video game I'm, I'm currently into. I think of it less as like another live stream, you know, like the other ones that I do where the purpose there is me creating content that will be hopefully engaging and entertaining for those who watch. And this is more me inviting you into my decompression time at the end of a work day, you know, to just kind of like uh, hang out on the couch with me, as it were, while I'm bumming around playing video games and just talking about life a little bit. I will always try to announce the date and time of that live stream as early as possible every month, but uh, I am saying for sure that it will be announced at least 24 hours in advance. I can already say right now that the first First uh, of these decompression live streams is going to be Thursday, August 23rd from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. At the $10 tier, uh, that adds on your name being included in some kind of (laughs) bizarre, probably made up on the spot kind of uh, uh, thank you song. I think I'm really going to have fun with this, just playing around with it, maybe changing it a little bit every month. I don't know what this is going to evolve into or what it's going to become, um, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, to doing this once a month. Uh, it'll be something that I tag on to the end of what is normally some of my more prominent or central content like movie reviews or something like that. So it will be on both the YouTube channel and the uh, the, the Christian Geek Central podcast. And at some point in the song, your name uh, will be part of the, there will probably be a section of the song where I sing boldly and proudly the names of, uh, of all the $5, or excuse me, the $10, uh, the $10 supporters. So for every month that you are subscribed at the $10 level, you can uh, look forward to hearing your name sung by me in some bizarre thank you song (laughs) on the YouTube channel and the Christian Geek Central podcast. The $15 tier is something that I am... uh, actually pretty excited about because of some adjustments that I just recently made to this tier before our our proper launch. The $15 tier uh, gives you full access to the complete Spirit Blade Productions catalog uh, for starters. And so that's all of our audio dramas, 
all of our song bundles. If uh, if you've never listened to any of our audio dramas before and uh, wanted to just get them all in one shot, then you could just take one month and support me at the $15 level and boom, you could just get on there and download every single product in uh, in our online catalog That's uh, that's like both the legacy editions and the special editions of the entire spirit blade trilogy that's the uh, the song bundles um so uh, there's a just a ton of value right there on top of that and this is what i just added this week i decided to also open up the spirit blade productions archives again i used to make these uh archive volumes available for people that really wanted to get into like the uh, behind the scenes special features type stuff. I used to much more regularly produce special behind the scenes features, interviews, um, closer looks at scenes and how they were developed, uh, commentary for all of our audio dramas. Um, And all of that stuff since we made our new website a few years ago has kind of been put back into, uh, you know, hard drive limbo uh, because of the new website didn't really seem to lend itself to that. I didn't feel like cluttering up a particular page with all that kind of content. Um, And this just seems like a really great way to bring all that content back and more. Now, previously, we had the volume one of the archives, which had uh, commentary for uh, the, uh, the gosh, for the original Spirit Blade, maybe for the the special edition version of Spirit Blade commentary, I think was in there as well. Um, All kinds of like interviews and behind the scenes stuff related to uh, the original uh, Spirit Blade. Um, Just a ton of stuff in there. Yeah, pulling it up now just to to refresh my memory. Um, I take you through how these songs were developed. That first audio drama has such history. The songs, some of them were written before the story of Spirit Blade was written, before I was even thinking of writing this Spirit Blade story. Uh, they ended up being songs that I brought into the story and appropriated for use in the original Spirit Blade. There are also like documents, including like earlier versions of the script, uh, communications between me and other cast members, all kinds of like text-based stuff too, if you wanted to flip through all of that. And there's one... Uh, I want to say like 45 minutes to an hour long uh, feature in there that uh, involved me talking to Randy Hessen, who played Vincent Kraft, and Michael Tully, who played Rand Galvanic, uh, while we were getting ready to launch the Spirit Blade Special Edition. And just some of the antics, and the, especially with Tully, and the stories that came out of those conversations were a lot of fun. And uh, all of that content hasn't been available on our website for years now. And so I'm really excited to, uh, to, to bring all that back. Volume 2 of the archives is the audiobook of the unpublished novella that the Spirit Blade trilogy is based on. Uh, I'm not really a, a writer in that sense, but it was something that I wrote for fun, and it ended up being the source material for especially the first part of the trilogy, but also for the second, and even some elements of the third come from that novella. And as part of a, an effort to uh, publicize the original Spirit Blade, I recorded this entire uh, unpublished novella, Warts and All, and added in sound effects from the audio drama and music, uh, musical score from the audio drama to kind of spice it up a little bit uh, and made that available out there. You can still find it online, I think, if you really hunt for it, but I'm making it available here. I've also redone the EQ just a little bit to, to you know, fix, fit my tastes a little bit better and I'm making that available now as well. But there's more. If you have already got those two archives because you got them when they were available on our old website before. 
I've got two things that uh, I'm really excited about. I have volumes three and four of the Spirit Blade Productions archives prepped and uh, already uploaded, waiting for people that to support me at the $15 tier. Volume three of the Spirit Blade Productions archives is all about Spirit Blade Dark Ritual and Pilgrim's Progress. And it includes a combination of previously released behind-the-scenes content, you know, like interviews and commentary and stuff like that that were on the old website and that have been offline for uh, a number of years. So it includes all of that content for both of those projects, as well as a good amount of new content that's never been released before, including kind of a sneak peek at the the, the process of how I went about teaching uh, songs to the guys that were coming from long distances to come and record, uh, helping them prepare before they would come out for their trips. I, you know, I'd make these recordings for them to learn the songs from. Included in the features for Pilgrim's Progress are now uh, complete audition sessions and also some direction that I recorded and sent to long distance actors. And so you can get a sense of, you know, what I'm like a little bit during when you come into my office to audition for me or or how I go about directing actors who are all the way across the uh, the U.S. for me, or in some cases, the other side of the world for me, how I go about directing them long distance. Uh, you can get some insight into that with these behind-the-scenes uh, audio clips. And of particular interest to fans of the now-canceled Pilgrim's Progress series, I'm also including the unfinished script for what would have become Pilgrim's Progress Episode 2 and beyond. There was material enough that I adapted that would have definitely covered episode two, but also gone on to cover some of episode three. Uh, it was definitely work in progress. There was a lot that I would have changed, but you can get an idea of where things were heading uh, and uh, see for yourself what uh, might have been if this world were a lot different in many ways. The final archive available at the $15 level. Whew, man, I really didn't even want to include this, but it's... Uh, the original edition of Spirit Blade, which I have not made available on the website for years. It really is my preference that everyone forget <laughs> that this version of the project ever existed. I cringe at the thought that anyone would listen to this and uh, it would be their first impression of what Spirit Blade Productions produces. I learned so much between uh, that project and the follow-up, Spirit Blade Dark Ritual, that I decided uh, a year or so later to start working on a special edition of the original Spirit Blade so that the quality at the end of the day would be much more on par with where Dark Ritual was at and Pilgrim's Progress and Spirit Blade World of Shadows, you know. Uh, and so that special edition was released in 2010, which I would much prefer people listen to, or even better yet, the Legacy Edition, since I, uh, I, I'm... I don't like the songs as much as I used to. <laughs> but anyway, oh my gosh, if you're really morbidly curious and uh, and you want to put yourself through it, then I'm making available for patrons at the $15 level the entire original edition of Spirit Blade. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so much in all of those archives. So many great memories for me of interviews, of behind-the-scenes antics and goofing off. And oh my gosh, there's just a lot. I had a lot of fun going back and listening to some of that content that I haven't listened to in years. Brought back a lot of awesome memories. Had me laughing a number of times. And so hopefully that'll be something that you'll enjoy if you choose to support me at the $15 level. And finally, at the $15 level, you'll also receive a physical 
postcard with a handwritten message from me to you every month that you're subscribed at the $15 level. Uh, just because that's when you're supporting me at that level, I want to take out some time and in my own nasty chicken scratch that <laughs> hieroglyphics uh, that I hope you'll still be able to read, uh, just in a more personal way, express my uh, my appreciation and thanks and, and gratitude and uh, every other word I couldn't come up with right now uh, for your uh, for your support of me. Finally, at the $25 tier, you can actually help create the content of one of my uh, <laughs> live streams. Uh, this gives you uh, the right to choose a game from my video game collection that I will live stream for 30 minutes. And this uh, includes games that I hate uh, because I do still, for some odd reason, keep a number of games that I hate in my collection, um, mostly retro games, <laughs> uh, as well as games that I am scared by and might otherwise enjoy, but I, they just stress me out too much to really play them during my own personal fun time. But I keep them here uh, for things like this, I guess, if people want to see me <laughs> freaking the crap out. Uh, so anyway, you can choose or any game that you want from my library for me to live stream for 30 minutes while I react to your pre-submitted questions or comments which you will also be invited to uh, to send in so that I can uh, respond to those while repeatedly referring to you by name in some kind of a bizarre one-sided conversation. So I'm looking forward to that. That is something that I will record um, during that monthly uh, $5 tier live stream. And then later on, it will be uh, uploaded, uh, maybe edited uh, as a highlights video, but it, later on, uh, it'll be uploaded onto, onto YouTube. That's limited to just four patrons per month at that tier, um, because I, I won't have time to do, uh, to do more than that. Uh, but uh, four of you, if you really wanted to on one month, could decide the content of an entire private live stream for me. Uh, but anyway, that's it for now. I I do have ideas for uh, for higher tiers if there seems to be uh, some demand for that, but uh, I just thought these would be a great place to start, and uh, hopefully that kind of gives you a better idea of what you know these uh, tier rewards involve. If you have any questions, let me know, uh, and I'll be happy to answer those for you. But uh, uh, thanks for watching once again. Uh, if you want to go over and uh, and check out our Patreon page, it's at Patreon.com/SpiritBladeProductions. Thank you very much for your consideration. Bye bye. Feedback! Feedback! Give me your thoughts on this podcast, Christian Geek Central, the YouTube channel, or anything else we're doing. What should we keep? What should we change? Or what's on your mind you'd like a potentially uninformed opinion on? We want to make this show and all of Christian Geek Central as fun and useful as we can, but we have to hear from you to do that. You can send an email or audio file recorded on your phone to p-a-e-t-e-r at spiritblade.com or if you're one of our patron insiders, you can just uh, leave me a post there at patreon.com slash spiritblade productions as a reminder guys if you'd like some help finding a good church in your area i want to help you do that if i can online resources and communities are a good supplement but by nature they can't speak to your particular situation like relationships in a local church can there's so many times when i'm creating content that i just you know i feel like ah man this is this is like s such a broad thing that i'm saying here I know there are exceptions to this. I know that a person could say, yeah, but you don't know about my situation. And, and sometimes I try to qualify my uh, statements that I'll make about various things. But then, you know, you don't want to do that too much because then anything you say dies the death of a thousand qualifications. And so it's just really hard. It's, it's impossible 
for the kind of content that I'm creating or anyone that's creating content to be consumed by, you know, multiple people online. It's impossible for that content to always be speaking directly to your individual situation and circumstances. So, um, and, and what I find in the New Testament is that the context for everything assumes that we are serving and building these purposeful relationships in some local church. So whether you're in a church that just kind of lacks Bible-based intentionality, is just kind of like playing religious social club and, you know, going through the motions and stuff, or, or maybe you're just, you're not attending any church at all. If I can help you get connected to an authentic Bible-oriented church, I want to do that. You can email me at P-A-E-T-E-R at spiritblade.com, and we can uh, at least try to look at some websites of, of churches in your area together. All right, guys, that's about it for this week. Just a couple more things I want to share. First off, no Chasm review. I did mention the possibility of reviewing the video game Chasm, a little indie uh, game that's being called a Metroidvania, but I really kind of resent the... uh, There's a word I'm looking for. It's kind of like distribution... Um, it's, uh, it's, I, I want to say perpetuity, but I already use that. It's not that perpetual perpetualization. I think that's what I want. I, I really kind of resent the perpetualization <laughs> of the term Metroidvania to describe a game like that's like Symphony of the Night or whatever. Most Metroidvanias, almost all of them, are really just Metroid likes. They're lacking that RPG experience, level grinding, loot grinding system that's in Castlevania Symphony of the Night and the follow-up games that were made in that same pattern that were on the Nintendo, uh, the, the Game Boy Advance and the N- Nintendo DS. So it's such a pain in the butt when I like every time, oh, a new, this is a new Metroidvania. Di-. Well, what do you mean by that? Does it have any Vania or just Metroid? You know, we, got a, we need a new term. We need a new term. I want to propose symphony-like, but I don't have the voice and the clout and the power to make that a thing in the world of video games. (laughs) So someone else please do that for me. Anyway, uh, as far as Chasm goes, I would agree with the reviewers out there who find the layout of levels a bit bland, but the gameplay so far is very satisfying. And I hear a lot of those reviewers, you know, saying the same thing. Um, I wouldn't say it's satisfying enough to pull me away from No Man's Sky, which I am like still totally into. I'm going to be doubling my playtime uh, in a little bit here. I'm over 90 hours. I b- before the update to that, I was at 60 hours, like 59 hours when I left off, 59 something, and now I am like 92 something. I'm going to hit that 120 and just double my playtime with this one update uh, before long. I think. Um, really really enjoying that but I will say that Chasm definitely scratches that Symphony of the Night style itch uh, that most other Metroidvania style games fail to scratch Uh, so it's definitely one that I'm going to be coming back to and once I've kind of you know at some point I have to kind of peter out on No Man's Sky and be in the mood for something else and uh, when that happens or the next time I'm in the mood for like a, a symphony like uh, which which very often I am. I feel like they're such a rare breed. Then, uh, especially on like home console. I haven't gotten through all of the ones on handheld, but like, I don't want to play these games on handheld. I want to play them on my TV at home, sitting in, you know, comfortably. And Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, scratches that itch for me very well. No In Search of Truth this week, guys, as you may have noticed, but I did want to share just kind of a little moment I had that... Um, 
is likely relevant to a, a lot of you listening. Just kind of an interaction that I had uh, with God's Word, with, uh, I think, the Holy Spirit, um, through kind of a, uh, a difficult situation. Um, they just kind of brought some things to mind that I was like, you know, this might be relevant to a number of geeks out there. Um, as geeks, I think it's safe to say we are statistically less likely to be physically fit or have good dietary habits. Um, I've slowly, I mean, as Americans, we're in really rough shape, but I, uh, and I don't have any data on this, it's all anecdotal, but I would put down good money to bet that the the stats go up for the likelihood of uh, just being unfit or, or overweight or whatever when you get into uh, the, the geek slice of, uh, of American culture, you know. Um, and uh, I've slowly started to make changes over the last five to ten years um, and have more changes that I want to make. In my personal prayer journal this Wednesday, I wrote, Today was the first day of school for the boys, and I began experiencing intense heartburn almost immediately after getting out of bed this morning. And that's very unusual for me, by the way, guys, um, to, to have that in the morning. I drank water, almond milk, took a heartburn pill. It took over an hour before it subsided. I can't be sure what exactly caused it, but it brought my mind back to the dietary changes I want to make and to the spiritual discipline involved in that. And for that, I thank Jesus both for the intense reminder and the relief from the pain. I returned to and refreshed my memory on a set of verses that are actually the first in my list of uh, memory verses on my phone. Years ago, I think when I was first reading the Dallas Willard book, uh, I was, which I can't remember the title right now, but if you search Dallas Willard, you'll find it. Um, the Spirit of the Disciplines is the name of the book. Um, anyway, years ago, I think when I was first reading the Dallas Willard book, I was starting an exercise routine and used these verses to remind me of the spiritual purpose in that. Now I think I need to return to these verses as I pursue dietary discipline and remove unhealthy norms from my eating and drinking habits. This body is my primary tool for serving Yahweh with my life. I have got to take better care of it and prepare it for the physically challenging years ahead. I need energy and stamina for both my work, family, and church ministry. Yes, my vanity will undoubtedly be served, but I need to work to replace that motive completely with the purpose of being the best tool I can be for Yahweh's kingdom plans. And uh, the verse that, that I then refreshed my memory on and, and then typed it out uh, from memory after that, um, that's been uh, really valuable to me in the past as I've uh, entered into making changes in the area of physical discipline and that I now uh, want to apply to making changes uh, to dietary discipline um, is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. Paul says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. Because, man, can't you feel that way sometimes when you're doing, when you're exercising um, or when you're saying no to some kind of food? That little voice can certainly come into my head where it's like, well, what's the, why? Why? Do I, why is it really important? Why is it really important? This is just stupid. There's no reason to do this, you know? Um, but this verse battles against that. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. And this was especially this next part uh, I, I felt uh, uh, convicting to me. 
lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And Paul's not talking about, you know, justification and rescue from judgment and stuff like that. This is disqualification from the rewards that come through sanctification, through aligning our lives, our motives, everything about us with God's kingdom plans. There is uh, eternal reward in that. Um, and there are some rewards that we can even experience in this life, but I mean, those aren't the ones that, that we'd really want to be pinning our hopes on, um, because there's still muck and crap and sin in the world that can interfere with that. Um, but anyway, let me read that. Let me read those verses again. Uh, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So hopefully there's something in there that uh, can um, be useful to you guys, um, maybe give you some perspective on the purpose uh, that we might want to engage in a more uh, intentional way in how we take care of our bodies. Um, all right. Well, that's it, guys. Stay tuned for DS9 Shawarma after the credits or jump back to episode 400 if you want to start from the beginning. As a reminder, you can find episodes 0 through 500 of this podcast archived as the Spirit Blade Underground podcast at spiritblade.com. Next week, if God allows it, I think the podcast will be coming a little bit early because I'll be leaving Friday morning for a gaming weekend with my buddy Mark in California. Uh, but before then, I have it mapped out in my schedule and should be very doable, especially after the crazy, oh my gosh, week that I had this week getting ready for the Patreon launch. That was nuts. If I can, I'm going to end my workday a little early today because I had a, a couple of, of uh, long, long, long days into the night this this week. Anyway, next week, if God allows it, uh, a review of the sci-fi movie Higher Power, which I just discovered like a week or two ago. It looks like kind of an indie-type movie, but with uh, one or two very familiar faces. And, man, it looks like there, you know, you can tell that there's, you know, it's a budget flick in terms of production values, but it looks like they're potentially using the money they have, like, the as best as they possibly can and telling a story that, wow, I, it's the kind of, like, superhero, not superhero, maybe more like metahuman would be a better way to describe it, type of story that uh, I would love to see explored more um, when uh, we're done with our fascination with uh, superheroes and tights and villains and stuff being the only super-powered human stories that we really... I love other kinds of super-powered human stories like Chronicle and stuff. So this looked like looks like it's definitely going to be something in that vein. I'm very, very interested. I, I really hope it's good. We'll find out what I think of it next week. Um, and then I'm also going to share my top games, probably my top solo slash co-op games showcased at Gen Con 2018. Uh, till then, please consider supporting the work of Christian Geek Central and Spirit Blade Productions and earning some fun rewards by becoming a Spirit Blade Insider of any subscription tier at patreon.com slash Productions. Thank you so much, guys, for making time for this show. I hope you have a great week and that you'll join me next time here on the Christian Geek Central podcast as we continue to geek out and seek the truth. What? 
Christian Geek Central podcast is a community-supported endeavor of Spirit Blade Productions. This podcast is produced by Peter Fremson with support from the Christian Geek Central community at ChristianGeekCentral.com. For information about the latest entertainment and resources from Spirit Blade Productions, visit SpiritBlade.com. Thank you for listening. Wormhole. The Dominion has endured for 2,000 years and will continue to endure long after the Federation has crumbled into dust. Five years ago, no one had ever heard of Bejor or Deep Space Nine, and now all our hopes rest here. Oh, Oh, man. Well, that was Children of Time, and this this is another really emotional story, and on one hand, this is the kind of story that you know any any show could do, any of the Star Treks could have done. It fits in any sci-fi show really that basically that there would be a way to accidentally go back in time. So just about any science fiction show, probably a fair amount of fantasy shows even. Um, but on one hand, yeah, any of those could do it. But on the other hand, only shows like Deep Space Nine. Um, maybe TNG at its best, Farscape, Stargate, um, Firefly, you know, the, the sci-fi shows that actually had the cojones to make changes and confront an issue and have no easy answer. You know, this would not go on Enterprise or, or Voyager or one of the, or, you know, any of these shows where it's all about the status quo and easy answers and happy endings because this is, this one has, I don't want to ruin, I won't ruin it, but... This has a very emotional and difficult ending. Um, you know, there, there's no easy way to deal with the ending. It's just one you gotta gut through and think about. And it's the kind of question that really, if time travel existed, this kind of thing would be inevitable. And I could do a whole Trek talk, or, or a whole POS episode, or just a long discussion about all the implications, all the issues this discusses. Uh, but I guess first, let's talk about the premise of the show, which is fairly basic. Uh, the Defiant is exploring in the Gamma Quadrant because, again, this could be on any show because they're just exploring around. It's really, I don't know why they send the Defiant out exploring. They point out the Defiant does not have exploration gear. It's a warship, but yet they still go on charting missions, you know, because you have to have this setup. But I can live with that because what this show does is worth the very contrived setup for it. And they see this planet with a weird techno-what's-it surrounding it. Dax wants to go explore it, and it's sort of a now or never because of what's going on techno-babbly. So they go in, something goes wrong, and they crash. Well, they don't crash. They get trapped in the atmosphere. And so they're going to take a couple days to repair. You know, nothing big. Everyone's just wah-wah-wah to Dax, who came up with the idea. Only now, where it had been unoccupied, as soon as they pass through that barrier... Suddenly, there's a whole settlement of 8,000 people, mostly humans. They beam down. Well, actually, first, they get contacted by these people, and they know all sorts of things about them. They beam down, and it turns out these are their descendants, and that the Defiant, when it tries to leave this techno-what's-its barrier in a couple days after they get the repairs, they're going to get pulled back in time 200 years and crash land and have to survive Robin Crusoe-style and eventually their descendants would build this great settlement of 8,000 people. 
And like I say, this could be any show. I could see Farscape. You know, Moya goes through some techno what's it, and they find their descendants. Um, you know, they only had a you know six, seven, eight people as compared to you know forty-eight people, but the idea is the same. And again, Farscape is one of the shows that would actually have the the courage to make a change and address an issue like this because they did it in several episodes. Um, so yeah, so they're facing with the possibility of so we either go to, go through the plan because we see exactly what we have to do. The techno, what's its one in a million shot, and the new Dax because there's a new guy who has a Dax symbiont. His name is Gedrin Dax. Gedrin Dax has figured out a techno way to have their cake and eat it too, which is that there's a holy quantum duplicate because your know, quantum is sacred; it can do anything. Yada yada yada. Basically, we'll make a copy of you to go back in time and a copy of you that can go home. And so everyone's happy and they're going exploring. And this is a nice place, and it's not—it's not one of those ridiculously artificially nice places that you see in a lot of Star Trek. It's not like Earth where everyone just floats around and their farts smell like roses. It's no, it's a real place. It actually reminds me of a healthy church, the kind of community you have where, you know, people are caring for the kids and they're doing their work, but there's a sense of community and, you know, caring to each other. And it feels more authentic than you'd see in a lot of these kind of things. Like for example, Star Trek Insurrection, where you had the the peaceful Baku and they were really smug and self-righteous and unlikable and dour and no no, these are these are real regular people. And one of the highlight moments is you see Cisco, and of course Cisco is just this, this tough guy, but he also loves kids, and I like that. It's one of the reasons that he's my favorite captain. And so he's sitting there when he hears this news, he's holding a little baby, and he's just the baby's laughing, and he's it just it feels very authentic. You know, I can tell that the actor likes kids too, because or that that he's a really good actor if he doesn't like kids, because you it, you can tell Cisco likes kids and is good with kids. And it's a small thing, but it's those touches of authenticity that make this episode meaningful. You know, if this was some sort of, you know, just remote, look at this utopia we have built for, we are awesome and, you know, robotic and lame and fake. And it's not like that. It's very authentic. Uh, but then uh, then we find out there's a problem. And it turns out Dax blames herself because she was the one at fault. But at least this time she has the decency to feel bad. And that Gedrindax, her descendant, has actually set them up to deliberately go back in time just to hedge the bets that this will happen because it was a one in a billion chance. So, yeah, there is no duplicate. There, so now they're back to the, the whole dilemma at the beginning is do we go back and, or do we go back in time? Do we go back to our families or do we make new ones? And, you know, and, and it's not easy. Because on one hand, everyone has their families, they have their lives, and to deliberately force them to strand themselves, well, you'd have to be someone sick and awful like Captain Janeway to do that, and Cisco's not that. On the other hand, there are, it's not even just 8,000 people, that would be a huge reason enough, but it's everyone between this 8,000 and the founders of this colony all together. It's like, I don't know how many people you have to count, and everything they've accomplished will just, it won't even just be wiped out like invaders will kill them off or something. It will have never happened. They will not have existed. And there's a part, and the only really tricky thing is, Kira actually has some sort of a techno-what's-its problem that occurred in the accident, and without treatment at the station, that Bashir does not have the means, she'll die. Just another thing to add to the weight of the dilemma. 
And so she actually is praying over her own grave. And it makes you wonder, you know, if you could travel back in time, if you, you know, the Klingons are worried about that they won't go to Stovakor, the Klingon heaven for the honored dead, because they won't have died nobly in battle. They will have just not existed. And it makes you wonder, if time travel was real, what would happen to people who who were just erased, who had never happened? Would they still have eternal spirits and souls? You know, and, you know, the kind of thing that, if ever that technology somehow becomes available, I don't see how it would, but if it ever was, you know, what, what would God do with that kind of thing? And we can only surmise and guess. And I would say, no matter what it is, I would trust God to be just. Uh, that would be the only thing I could really lean on, because I could not work out exactly how he would do these things. You know, and like I said, that's just one of the things you think of on this. And But on the other hand, it's not just getting back to their families and being comfortable, because there's a war brewing with the Dominion. It's a, it's going to be a galactic-wide thing, and they can they can already see it's coming. It's already inevitable, pretty much. And especially Cisco, but several of them. But Cisco, most importantly, has a very unique role in this. Um, his place with the prophets, his place with the Bajorans, um, his situation with Dukat, and just all these things, that's going to turn the tide of history if he's not there. Um, but then on the other hand, it's not exactly going to be like, go back and you get an early retirement because you have to build a life. You know, you're used to technology and now you have to rough it. Um, you're, not, you're not just going camping for a while, you're going back to primitive technology. So you can see how this is a difficult choice. And, well, rest assured, I think it's obvious that they do not go back and stop the show. Uh, there's still two more seasons to go on this. Uh, but how it happens, what happens is emotional. And, again, I don't want to give things away. I don't want to – there are twists and surprises that still occur. Um, there's not much to say without giving things away. But believe me, this is a very emotional episode and – Granted, not much comes from it continuity-wise. The only thing that's important is we find out off-camera, for the stupidest reason, uh, Kira and and Kira and Shakar, sorry, my mind just forgot his name, Kira and Shakar have stopped seeing each other. That's about it. And we get the complete, con- well, we get another confirmation that Odo is in love with Kira, which we already knew anyway, so. And Kira finds out about it. So that's about it. So it's just some character relationship stuff that could have gone in any episode. But it's well done in this one. Um, yeah, the reason they're not together is that they, they went to church and asked the prophets. And the prophets said, you're not meant to be together. So they broke up. Th- that's a really stupid reason to break up with someone if you care about them. Uh, <laughs> and it really is. It's just done offhand. They just said, oh yeah, we happen to do this thing somewhere. And, but, yeah, that's the only thing that actually comes back to haunt us later on. But it's still a very emotional story, and I would highly recommend this episode. And because of its nature, you could watch this. This would be a good one to watch if you've never seen Deep Space Nine and you want to see, like, a really good dilemma-type story. You really want to see the no easy way out, no, you know, no third choice. It's just rock, hard place, pick one, because you got to go somewhere. Um... So yeah, definitely check this episode out. Next time, we finally wrap up the story with Michael Eddington and the Maquis.